Heavenly Father, we praise you right now. I pray that you will open up every ear and hearts that is in his place. I pray that we will decrease as a congregation and our Lord Jesus Christ will be exalted. That he may be, that he will increase. Father, we give him the praise, the glory, the honor. I pray that by God, the Holy Spirit, he will use me in any way. I pray that the glorious cross of our Lord will be magnified in this place. Bless your people, Heavenly Father. Father, humble your people. He is worthy. Our Lord Jesus Christ is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our honor. He is worthy of our reverence. He is worthy. In Christ's name, I pray this, that you would do it. Amen. This is a wonderful thing. Very wonderful thing to come back in the house of the Lord. But I want you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. Just stay there. And as our returning, I want to say in the month of May, Crystal and I, Pastor Gus and Tyler went to a church that is a fairly large church that is right down the street from here. We went to this particular church because they were was hosting a concert for a private school. As as we were being entertained by the musicians and singers I was wondering to myself about the congregation that regularly attends that church. I wanted to to get a better understanding of that church. So what I did, I leaned over to my left towards Pastor Gus ear and I asked him this question. What type of fruit this church Produce. And this is what he said. As he humbly replied to me, entertainment and good music. Right. In order for any church or Christian to produce good fruit, it is important for us to consider the sower, the seed the fruit, and the soil. And when I mean by soil, I'm really speaking of of the heart of a Christian or the heart of the church. So, 
And Luke 8, verses 4 through 15, is a very familiar passage. Give me one second. There we go. There we go, Pharaoh. <laughs> Thanks. Luke 8 is a very familiar passage. It is a parable that was told by our Lord Jesus Christ. This parable was recorded in the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke. But only those gospel writers recorded this particular parable, not John. We can find this particular parable in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and of course our text, Luke 8. If you look in your Bibles at our scripture text this morning, just above verse 4, you will see the subtitle for this parable. It is printed in small bold letters. Bible editors subtitled this parable as the parable of the sower. But that is only one perspective of how this parable could have been subtitled. Instead of subtitling this parable as the parable of the sower, they could have subtitled this parable as the parable of the seed, the parable of the hearers, the parable of the fruit. Right. There are many ways this parable could have been subtitled. If I were one of the Bible editors who edited the Bible, I would have requested to subtitle this parable as the parable of the sower, the seed, the fruit, and patient hearts. Before Jesus told this parable, he was sitting on the Sea of Galilee. Afterwards, a large crowd enclosed around him to the point where he was fits in. So what he did, he got in a boat and sat down, which the sea allowed Jesus' voice to be carried. That created an acoustic surround sound that forced his voice to be carried Hundred, at least 100 yards away. So every person in that particular uh, peril, every person in that particular place heard the voice of Jesus. Can you turn the lights back on? Thanks. They heard every single word. Think about the audience who was listening to this parable. Jesus was speaking to a host of Farmers who people who had livestock to help till and grind up the land so they can plant seeds. Men and women who grew crops in their own backyards like the Browns and Smiths. So the audience understood this parable. Because it was their way of living. It was what they were used to doing every single day. It was their occupation. If farmers did not sow and produce crops, it was very likely that 
the people of Israel and the individual families could have starved to death. That is how crucial it was for farmers to plant and produce crops. As I just mentioned, the audience understood this parable, but they did not understand the spiritual significant meaning of what the parable actually meant. Neither did the disciples understood it until Christ explained it to them. The disciples asked Christ, why do you speak to the audience in parables? This is why Jesus ended the parable in verse 8 by saying, he who has an ear, let him hear. It is like me saying to you, you are listening, but are you listening? Now, since you had already at our scripture text, follow along as I read the word of God. It says in Luke 8, verses 14, 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering, a, was gathering and people from town after town came to him. And he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devour it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away. Because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil. And grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out. He who has an ear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones alone the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while in a time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. As for that in good in the good soil. They are those who, hearing the word, hold fast, hold it fast, and in honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. 
If you have a church bulletin, we have a site on the back side of it. There's a place where you can write notes. So what I want you to do in chronological order, go ahead and write down the four subtopics that we will discuss this morning. And by doing so, this will help you identify the subtopics and the application of each one. The first, the sower. The second, the seed. The third, the fruit. And fourth, patient hearts. Now, let's go ahead and go to the first subtopic, the sower. The sower. When Jesus was teaching this particular parable, he was sowing into the lives of that, those, that particular crowd. As I mentioned, the crowd already knew and could identify what he was talking about. So the sower is someone who is sowing into the lives of others. Our Lord is not here today in the physical, in his physical body. Soon he will be. So as as someone who can still do the ministry of Jesus, we can still sow into other people. So as you can see on the back, the uh, projector is projecting four things. I think we as a people group are still sowing into the lives of others, such as pastors. Keep in mind. When Christ was telling his parable, he was not only speaking to the people, but he also was speaking to his disciples. Because further on in chapter nine, his disciples were sent out to preach and proclaim the gospel. That's why they that's why Christ said to them, to the parable, this is made known to you. They were able to proclaim the gospel. Since the disciples, nor is our Lord is here today as pastors, elders, teachers. We are fulfilling that that ministry that the disciples in Christ had left for the church. So the pastor, as we already know, is the person that sows biblical theological truths into the lives of others. Now, we have to be very careful because a lot of people can consider themselves as pastor, but they are not qualified to be a pastor. So that's why I'm saying you have to consider the sower. 
who is so into the lies of the church. There are a lot of pastors and churches that I I, I've been to and was under the preaching, but they were sowing a different type of seed. The sower is very crucial. So what the person, the or pastor is sowing is crucial to what type of seed he is going to sow. Not only that, pastors are spiritual leaders of the church. Teachers and elders are spiritual leaders of the church. They are providing and sowing into our lives. When I'm not pastoring or preaching, I am being sold into by Pastor Gus or by Melvin or by the elders. But the important part, especially since it's Father's Day, is that men, not only spiritual leaders, but men in general can sow into the lives of younger men. This is why, why Peter called Mark his son in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. He said, Mark, my son, because according to Peter and Mark, they built a relationship that that cultivated him, Peter, being a father and Mark being his son. And they weren't related. Spiritual leaders. Paul did the same thing with Timothy. Timothy, my son. Timothy was a Greek and a half Jew. Paul was a full Jew. Only relations that they had was that Paul, being a spiritual leader, poured into the life of Timothy. So that Timothy, being a young pastor, can pastor the Ephesians churches. Giving Timothy the instructions of what to do and how to do it and how to and how to govern the church body. Timothy not only learned this from Paul, but he learned this from his mother and grandmother. Sowing to the lives. So as father is is very important that you sow into the lives of your children. Are you so into the lives of your children? That's a question that you should be asking yourself. If so, what are you sowing into them? Have you ever wondered why your child do something that you not you do not approve of? Because that's an indicator of you're not doing your job as a parent, as a spiritual leader of your household. To correct that particular issue. To add to that, if a believer is not sowing godly truths into their children, I would boldly say that believer does not love his child to as much as he thinks or she thinks. 
If your child is coming to church and does not know anything about salvation or the sanctification that we have in Christ, then there is a problem with your parenting. The blessings and the riches that we have in Christ are there not only for us as adult members, but also for the child as well. The children. Christ said, forbid not the child to come to me. So if you want to be a father, be a godly one. Read through the book of Proverbs and we will see that the father and the mother are set in place to give instructions to their child. Be a godly one. If you want to continue to develop and cultivate your child, provide for them godly truths. It is a sad thing that if you ask one of our children of this church, what is sanctification? And they cannot explain to you what it is. Then there is something wrong. If, you can, if your child cannot explain what is salvation in Christ and give you a complete summary of that, then there is something wrong. So happy Father's Day. There's something wrong. So not only teachers, elders, and parents sowing to the lies, but Christians. Us being Christians. Over this past weekend, we just had the tent meeting. The purpose of, one of the purpose of the tent meeting was to share the gospel. To spread the gospel. That was the purpose. So we can sow into the lives, not only this particular congregation, but to the neighborhood. To share the gospel. It is very important for us as Christian to evangelize to our community. If you want your community to change, then share the gospel. Share the gospel that is in Christ. Glorify Christ by preaching the gospel. If you want little kids to stop dying in the street, then share the gospel. Ken told me not too long ago when we first came up here, or move up here officially, on the 6th of this month, that two kids behind this church were killed, shot. Either was Ken or some of the, one of the elders told me that. That is a reflection of this particular church. This church is only a couple of yards away from that street. How many more kids or people shall die? If we can share the gospel to, these, to this particular community, then this community can change. How much... Are you willing to give for the gospel of Christ? I know we're living in a modern day age. 
So the the atmosphere of being a Christian in the first, second and third century is no longer as prevalent as it as it should be in America. Because when Paul and Peter was preaching the gospel, it was a a tremendous thing. They were changing cultures, changing lives. And for their own life, they their lives was at stake for that. Are you willing to give your all for the gospel? Are you willing to die for the gospel? Are you willing to die for your Lord who has died for you? And it's important. Biblical truths. So we already talked about the sower. Us being, well, not me yet, a parent, but y'all being parents and Christians and evangelizing to the community. Let's talk about the seed. Within our text, we, in our text, we see that the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And if you just glance at the very top of Luke 8, verses 1 through, yeah, Luke 8, verse 1, it says, Soon after he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Verse 8, 1, and, and throughout the rest of the chapters of Luke, it is about the kingdom of God. It is about planting the seeds of God's word. This is what Christ was doing before he even told the parable. And this is one of the reasons why the people came to, to Christ on the Sea of Galilee. He was sharing the gospel. He was sharing the good news about the kingdom of God. He was sowing the seed. And as I mentioned, I, that the sower is very important. Very important because there are very wonky doctrines that is out there. People are listening to unbiblical truths. Twisting scripture. But Christ, our Lord, he was giving and proclaiming the gospel of God. So the seed is very important. It was most likely that the Palestinian people who planted wheat and other sorts of food understood that. This is just a parable, but they understood that the seed itself is very important because when they planted or wanted to develop crops, the landscape was crucial as well. The landscape of Israel were was very rough and rugged. It was hard. They couldn't break up the soil or rock like we can because we use modern day tools. It would take us, what, less than six hours to plant a seed or less than that. We can go to our hardware store to purchase 
high-tech tools and just develop the ground. But for them, planting a seed was difficult. They had to grind up, use their own livestock to grind up the, the, the soil. So, the seed is the word of God. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. This is a very familiar text. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is active, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's, when Christ was preaching, Although they could not understand the parable itself, but the the seed, which is the word of God, was being planted into their own hearts and minds. It was cultivating and helping them to develop an understanding. One thing I want to mention, and we're going to get there, is that... Although Christ was preaching the word of God, the people still did not understand. And this is a like a judgment upon the people itself. And this is what I mean by that. If a person don't understand the word of God. It is because God's grace in a way has not opened that individual's mind or heart. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verse 4, 14. It's the same parable. But this is what Jesus said. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For these people's heart has grown dull. And with their eyes, they can barely hear in their eyes. They can they have enclosed. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I will heal them. This is a prophecy from Isaiah that pronounced a judgment upon the people. So if those people didn't understand the word of God, it's because God's grace has not opened their eyes and their ears. It is similar to when Paul was preaching to Lydia. And God opened her eyes and her ears to what Paul was saying. It is a judgment. So when God opened your eyes and ears to hear the gospel, it was a gospel of grace. 
That is how the word of God came through to be planted in your hearts. Grace through faith. Without the grace, there wouldn't be any faith. Let's talk about the fruit. Let's talk about the fruit. I think the fruit and the soil kind of go hand in hand. Well, all three of them go hand in hand. The soil, the seeds, and the fruit. There are, in our text, Luke 8, it is mentioning of four different types of soil. Christ mentioned the path. Then he mentioned the rock. Then he mentioned the thorns and thistles. Then the fourth soil was good heart, a soil of good heart. And each particular soil represents someone's individual's faith. So keep in mind that Grace must take place before you have faith. Because without God's grace, you would not believe in God at all. You would continue to sin. God's grace prevents us from sinning against him. So these four types of soil represent faith. The first soil, which is the path didn't have a chance at all. Not one single chance to produce faith in God's word or in Christ. Because as the scripture text mentioned that the devil quickly came and snatches away the seed. Not only that, in Matthew chapter 13, the same parable, it says that for those seeds that had landed on the path was quickly trampled. So keep in mind, someone's faith, when you share the gospel, there is someone that is out there, may not have a chance at all, may not be saved according to the text. The second, the rock. This is what our Lord said about the rock, the rocky road. It says, And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. A faith that have no moisture. One particular commentary said, a faith that lives a short period of time is not faith at all. A faith that lives a short period of time is not faith at all. What that is, is just emotions. I'm sure y'all have seen it. A lot in a lot of churches, people is just hoorah, praise God, praise God. And after church, that is it. Nothing else. Nothing else from that individual. 
since I'm a history fanatic, in one of my his, church history books, it says that for those who were being persecuted or trial for their faith, they quickly fell away. When the Romans crucified and hung Christians to the cross to be fed by lions, the Christians who fell away quickly denied Christ. That is not faith. That is not faith at all. That is trying to mimic someone else's faith. The third, thorns and thistles. Verse 7 says, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And if you look at the very bottom in verse 14, it says about the thorns, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. The Apostle John said something about that issue. In first John, he talks about the cares of the world, and this is what he says. John said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions is not from the father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires But whoever does the will of God abides forever. For those who have faith and their and their faith was planted among thorns and thistles, your faith is 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 not faith at all. In the sense that your your cares and your priorities is after the riches of the world. What you care more about is the cares of the world. As simple as that. Your priority is not sowing into the lives of your children. Your priorities may not be sowing into the lives of others. Your priority may be just sowing into the lives of the world. As John said, that will soon pass away. That will soon pass away. Not only that, John also said at the very end, But whoever does not the will of God, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. It's interesting, just before this particular parable, Jesus' mother and his brothers were seeking to see him. And Jesus responded by saying, for those who is my father or who is my mother, for those who do the will of God is my father, my mother and my sister. It is about being in God. It is about being in Christ. Your priority, first and foremost, should always be Christ. 
to always So the fruit, it takes a while for this fruit to develop. In order for you to see good fruit in Christ, it's not a quick, easy step. It takes time to develop and cultivate the fruit that you seek in Christ. Just like any gardener or any farmer. They don't produce crops within three or four days. It's tate seasons, months. The fruit. So as you dive into the word of God, as you feasting on Christ, as you meditating on God's word, that fruit with that Christ have in you that or you have in Christ is going to eventually produce Turn to Psalms chapter 1, verse 2 to 3. What is the fruit? Psalms 1, verse 2 and 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its seasons. And his leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prosper. As I mentioned before, the sower is with some sowers, i.e. pastors who would tell you, Okay, once you plant that particular seed, you will receive from something from God. There are those who desire that. And for those who desire that are the ones whose faith is the thorns and thistles. Their care is in the world. But for those who want to prosper, not in a financial sense, not in a physical sense, but in a godly sense. So what is the fruit? Galatians Galatians chapter 5 tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. That is the fruit that Christ is producing in you, because I'm sure, like me, a lot of us don't have patience. A lot of us don't have self-control. A lot of us don't have joy. There are plenty of Christians in Christianity who face persecution, but yet their joy is still intact within them. Why? Because Christ produced that particular fruit. They were meditating and feasting upon Christ. So the fruit that you seek will determine what type of fruit you would like to have. If you want cares of the world, then go after it. If you want Christ, I will, hard, I will gladly encourage you, let's go after it. 
The fourth soil is patient hearts. Patient hearts. Why? Why is the fourth soil is patient hearts? Here's the reason why. Because in our text, this is what the Lord has said. In verse 15. As for that in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold fast to it. And the honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. All of these things, the sower, the seed, the fruit, ties with patience. As I mentioned, it's not going to take forever. Why? Because our hearts can be hardened to the word of God. It would take the patience of the teachers and the pastors of this particular church to continue to cultivate your heart. I've been asking Pastor Gus about the future of this church. This is what he's been telling me. It's a slow process. I want to implement so many things, but I know for myself that it's going to take patience. It's going to take patience because within your own heart, you may not see what I see and I may not see what you see. So patient hearts is the answer. Those who wait on the Lord have a patient heart. We can, when it comes to preaching, teaching God's word, it confronts people with their own sins. I have heard plenty of time the Lord knows my heart. I'm sure he does because he's going to judge you by your heart. Scripture tells us the heart is deceitful, wicked above all things. Who can know it? But God does. There is a quote by Jonathan Edwards. Pearl. There's a quote by Jonathan Edwards that is on the board. Go back for a second. Go down. Okay, continue. Just continue. You'll get there. Go. Go to the next slide. Yep. Go. One more. There we go. There's a quote about... From Jonathan Edwards. This is what he said. There are thousands who hear the word of God, who hear great and exceedingly important truths about themselves and their lives. And yet all they hear has no effect upon them, makes no change in the way they live. The reason is this. They are not affected with what they hear. 
There are many who hear about the power, the holiness and the wisdom of God about Christ and the great things he has done for them and his gracious invitation to them. And yet they remain exactly as they are in life and in practice. This is what he said. I am bold in saying this, but I believe that no one is ever changed either by doctrine, by hearing the word or by preaching or teaching another, unless the affections are moved by these things. No one ever seeks salvation. No one ever cries for wisdom. No one ever wrestles with God. No one ever kneels in prayer or flees from sin with a heart that remains ineffective. This is what he's saying. If your heart is not moved or wooed by the word of God, you will remain the same. If your heart is hardened, if your heart is the heart of the rocky soil or the the seed that fell on the path, then you will remain the same. You would not pray. You would not kneel to God. You would not ask Christ to come into your heart because your heart is not moved. The compatibility of God's providence and his sovereign will is that it it takes his wooing and his grace and your free will to combine for you to move. That is what Jonathan Edwards is saying. It takes the circumcision of the heart, not the circumcision of the flesh. And what do I mean by that? A lot of this is what Paul was getting through, getting with in the uh, book of Acts. He preached the gospel, the circumcision of the heart, that you must have faith in Christ to be saved. But the Pharisees and the high priest was talking about that. No, it is by the gospel. No, sorry. It's by the Moses, the law of Moses. But for us, it's by the circumcision of the heart. You no longer need to be circumcised by the flesh, but by the heart. Your heart needs to change. It is a heart issue that we have as a church. That is the problem. When you contend with your own sins or with the sins of others, it is a heart issue. If you are not believing in Christ today, it is because of your heart. If you're not bowing your knee to our Lord Jesus Christ, it is because of your heart. Your heart needs to be circumcised. I can stand up here and preach. Melvin can stand up here and preach. Pastor Gus can stand up here and preach. Do our faces turn blue? But if our preaching don't do anything, because it is your heart, not the preaching itself. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, preached the gospel to the Pharisees over and over and over again. But the Pharisees rejected the gospel and did not believe because they hardened their hearts. They did not want to believe in the gospel. They did not want to hear the gospel. They wanted to crucify the gospel. 
in which they did by nailing the word of God to the glorious cross. The incarnated word of God walked with the people, but the same people who loudly said, Hosanna, Hosanna, was the same people who loudly said, crucify him, crucify him. Why the Pharisees didn't want to change this is because of their hearts. Their hearts. So I'm telling you, church, if you hear the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear the Holy Spirit, today is if, if today do not harden your hearts. If you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, do not harden your hearts. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of repentance. Why? Because as we see in our text and also in other synoptic gospels, Jesus said this at the very end. Turn to Matthew 13, back to the parable that Matthew wrote, recording his gospel. This is what Jesus said about the production of patient hearts. This is what he said in verse 8. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. What does that mean? In In the farming lifestyle, when they produce wheat, they produce a lot of crops. I heard a pastor say, okay, you plant this particular seed with your financial giving, you will receive a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. That's not what this particular text means. The text is talking about the production of crops. But not only that, within the Christian sense, it's talking about the fruit that Christ will produce in you. That's what it's talking about. So, if you take a number, whatever the number may be, and you times that by a hundredfold, that's the type or a lot of, that's the production of your crops. If you times that by 60-fold, that's the production of your crops or 30-fold. So for those who have a large faith in Christ, or produce the spirit of Christ. And you, and you can see that. You can see how the fruit of the spirit is being produced in that individual because he is daily in meditating on Christ. You can you notice that. For those who have 30-fold, that's fine. You can notice a person by their fruit. So I tell you, what are you feasting on? What are you meditating on? It doesn't take me a, a lot of time to figure out a, an individual's character. I just listen to what they say. And I know what they're into or like to do. And that goes for me. 
Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that Christ will cultivate the hearts that is here. I pray that Christ will continue to till the grounds of these people's hearts. I pray that you're by your grace, Father, that you will open up their ears and their minds to Christ. And for those who don't know Christ, don't know him as a personal Savior who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, I pray by your grace that you will give them that opportunity, that they will come to know Christ by faith, that they will not harden their hearts that they will continue to receive the word of God that has been planted in their hearts and not reject it. I pray that my Lord, our Savior, will be exalted. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to do tithing.